Warning, the Dub Talk podcast may contain language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Also, please be aware that we will be discussing the entire film Tokyo Godfathers, including any possible spoilers. If you wish to avoid spoilers, I suggest seeing the film first before coming back to this episode. And here's a quick summary to convince you. Go watch Tokyo Godfathers in theaters. It is a funny and heartwarming film that you will instantly love. It's Christmas in March, guys, so why not celebrate with a Christmas movie? That's right, this is a Christmas movie, just like Die Hard is a Christmas movie. So you know it's gonna be a fun time. Guys, so see it. Ah, go see Tokyo Godfathers, please. Just do it. Please just do it. (coughs) Where was I? Ah, yes. Finally, the opinions expressed in tonight's episode are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the Dubtop podcast as a whole. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Dub Talk, the podcast where a group of diverse homeless people get together and discuss the latest and greatest in English dubs. My name is Stephanie, and I'm joined by Hardy and Amon. Hello. Does this look infected to you? Be honest. Oh, God. What'd you do? What did, what did you do? <laughs> what have I not done to end up in this box full of Hardy. graphic t-shirts? Hardy. Hardy, we've talked about this. You can't let those fester for too long. It's bad for you. <laughs> You're not the boss of me. We can't right. get more booze either, because let's face it, we want to we want to use the alcohol to clean the frickin' wounds of infection, but we end up drinking instead, because this is how our lives work, right? This is an yep. incredibly poor taste. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Well then, <laughs> on, be, on behalf of the audience, I'd like to apologize. <laughs> and we're off to a horrible start. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. <laughs> oh God. Oh, and this is why the three of us should never do an episode ever again together. <laughs> anyway, tonight we have a very special episode for you all, as we will be discussing the new English dub for G Kids's latest acquisition. The 2003 film, Tokyo Godfathers, which is from Studio Madhouse and directed by the late and oh-so-great Satoshi Kon. Holy shit! (laughs) Like, this is the last... Well, no, actually, this was not the last thing to be rescued, actually. (laughs) Paranoid. But, oh my god. This... We live in a time where everything by Satoshi Kon is now licensed. Mm-hmm. And if it's not in, in print, in... it's coming soon. I know. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy. Like, I think I might cry. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we have a lot of Cone love here. So, of course, we had to sink our teeth into this when the announcement came up. However, for the folks at home who are unfamiliar with this lesser-known gem in Cone's filmography, here's a quick little summary. In modern-day Tokyo, three homeless people's lives are changed forever when they discover a baby girl at a garbage dump on Christmas Eve. By the way, Merry Christmas, everybody! (laughs) 
As the New Year fast approaches, these three forgotten members of society band together to solve the mystery of the abandoned child and the fate of her parents. Along the way, encounters with seemingly unrelated events and people force them to confront their own haunted pasts as they learn to face their future together. Now, as always, we will be discussing the dub in its entirety with our thoughts on the casting, performances, and the dub overall. And I would love to give a huge thank you and a shout out to G Kids for providing us with an early screener of the film for us to discuss and review today. Thank, thank you, you so much. You have made my day when you answered my emails. Thank <laughs> no you, G Kids. Um, if you haven't gotten your tickets yet for this film, I'm going to tell you right now to buy them because this is such a fun film. It's rather different in tone from, wow, my autocorrect went from Kong to Kongs. <laughs> autocorrect, what are you doing? <laughs> rather different in tone to Kong's other works, but, he's, but still has his style nonetheless. So go buy your tickets now. It's mm -hmm. fine. We can wait. Yeah. It's we can wait. It's still Satoshi Kon, but with all the existential dread and psychological horror. <laughs> and body horror just, as well. Just, re just, 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 just replace just regular, regular old-fashioned bone-crushing real-life problems. Yep. And a, and, a, and a dash of satire to go with it. Okay, you got your tickets now? Good. Now who's ready to discuss this satirical Christmas movie? I don't care what anybody says. This is a Christmas movie. God damn it. So are we ready to get this show on the road? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So let's get started. What we're going to be doing is it's going to be a little bit different. So primarily what we're going to do for tonight's discussion is use the casting list that was provided by G Kids. Uh, we do not have any other information for casting outside of what was previously announced at this time or at the time of this recording. Uh, that could change in the coming days, but who knows? But we do need to also start with our, our ADR staff. And unfortunately, at the time of this recording, we do not have confirmation of a director or a writer. However, we have confirmation of which recording studio Tokyo Godfathers was done. Uh, so the recording studio is going to be the main subject we're talking about, but we're going to talk more about directing and writing in this section still like we usually do. Uh, so the recording studio behind Tokyo Godfathers is the ever-awesome NYAV Post, who has also done voiceover production for other films such as A Silent Voice, Promare, and their latest, other latest work, Weathering With You. Hey guys, editor Stephanie here with a quick correction. During the recording, we discovered a tweet from actress Victoria Grace confirming the ADR directors of Tokyo Godfathers. The ADR directors are Michael Sinter Nicholas and Stephanie Shea, who both previously co-directed films such as Your Name, A Silent Voice, and Premiere. We apologize for this brief interruption and now return you to your regularly scheduled podcast. I'm not sure how we're going to start this one. Uh, Hardy, can you kick us off? What are your thoughts on the ADR staffing work on the film here? Generally, I think the ADR work is very solid. There are no... I have some gripes among the main three. And I also noticed that there's a lot of double casting with some of the actors. Like, they'll mm -hmm. play more than one character. In general, I think the ADR is, is very well done, as we've seen from NYAV in the past. Um, my main... If I was to have a gripe here... I would think that maybe the writing has not aged well. 
but this was true with the Japanese as well. Um, Cause there's a lot in this day and age, there's a lot of things that get said in this dub. Not exactly, uh, not exactly, you know, PC in this day and age, especially in the, in, in oh, the, yes. especially with Gin and how he refers to Hana. Um, but you have really to really how Han you, is referred at all, honestly. Yeah, you have to remember this was 2003, and things were different back then. You know, mindsets were different back then, um, and they stayed true to the main sub translation from 2003. I think it mainly just to drive home that this is the kind of person Gin really is, and uh, I could see some people getting upset about it. It doesn't bother me personally because I'm able to see what they were trying to go for, but just be aware that it that there's some very, very transphobic and homophobic dialogue in this script, mm -hmm. and you know, whether you think that NYAV and the writers, um, whether you approve of what they did or not, it's still, it is still there. So um, take that as you will. But as far as directing goes, it sounds fine. I'm going to have to agree with a lot of the points you just said, Hardy, especially with the writing. This is a, this is a 2020s dub for a 2003 film. So you, Again, like Hardy was saying, what you really need to understand is this film, this dub is using the original script essentially from 2003. And there's a huge difference how we talk about or speak about um, certain individuals or certain communities or genders or sexualities com now compared to 17 years ago when this film was released. Um, so if you're not a fan of that, I apologize, but just understand that this is the context that we're working with here. Um, but given that, I honestly, I honestly still love the film itself uh, with the, because the main things with this film that I think worked very well in the writing and the directing front were, were two were two different things. One is the satirical comedic moments, for sure. Um, they ha there was wonderfully wonderfully written comedic timing and jokes. Um, most of it, obviously, more than likely translated from the original. Um, but they still kept them in a way that made it work so well with the film and with the themes and ideas that Cohen was going for. Um, because what people might not know about Satoshi Kon, a lot of people will, re will recognize him for twisted psychological bending of reality kind of things with Perfect Blue, Paprika, and Paranoia Agent being the three prominent ones. However, he also has a really good sense with satire and um, satirical commentary on Japanese culture and society at the time. Um, that's where I think it most prominently comes from in films like Millennium Actress and especially for Tokyo Godfathers. Um, the, so that's one of the more more um, overarching themes that he uses here. Um, though granted, he does have still have some of those little twinges and moments of the bending of reality um, on occasion. But the other big thing that, that this dub captures very well and what I love about the directing and writing of it is it still keeps that heartwarming tone to it. 
this story, while these main three characters are are homeless, are runaways, they have these troubled pasts um, to them, it's still, they are still presented in a way and the events that they deal with in such a heartwarming fashion. Like, you want to root for these three characters. You want to see Gen reunited with his daughter. You want to see Hana have that chance to be a mother. You want to see Miyuki, like, face her fears with her dad. It's, and <laughs> it all comes together through, ha through happenstance because of a baby. <laughs> it's like, it's very weird. And what I... <laughs> I'm gonna draw this comparison here. It's the three wise men with baby Jesus. <laughs> like, this is a Christmas movie. This is like done in Christmas time. So the parallels are very easy to pick up there. Um, if if you under, if you know the story, which probably a lot of people do, um, I would think everybody does at least. I'm rambling, but um, no, I, the heartwarming tone is the biggest piece of the puzzle in this dub. If you didn't have good writing and a cast that was well-directed um, and who understood what this film was trying to go for, uh, you lose that sense of heartwarming and just uplifting and miracles in a sense. So I think it, that was done very, very well with the crew at a NYAV Post for sure. Um, Amon, what do you think of everything? Uh, I, I, I enjoyed this dub. I thought it was strong. And I think, the, to your point, I think did a good job of capturing... I should note, I'd, I'd never seen this movie before. Um, Which surprised I, is, me when you said that. <laughs> this is this is, this is one of these movies that I would always end up seeing like 15 minutes of it on cable. And enjoy, but I'd always think... It, not, not the first 15 minutes, just 15 minutes. And I always think, I'm enjoying this. I should watch it from the beginning. And that's why it took me 17 years to actually watch this, because I'm a horribly sort of disorganized human being. Um, yeah, shockingly, it turns out it's great, and I love it. Um, I think something it captures very well is it's, it, it is heartwarming, but it's not saccharine. Yep. And I think the dub does a good job of capturing that aspect, of making the emotional weight have weight to it, without getting too, like, drippy, cloy, hallmarky, which I feel like, you know, if you look at this on paper, like, some homeless people find a baby on Christmas and try and reunite it with his parents? This should be hot trash. Just the, wor the worst made-for-TV movie. But it's um, not. It's the no, most that's, precious thing. <laughs> no, that's what's great about it is it's actually really well done. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I thought the dub just did a good job of being very strong. Um, it's definitely well casted. I think the performances are really good. I do think the writing is kind of obviously dated, uh, just given the subject matter and when it was written. I think you can agree or disagree on whether or not ADV, uh, uh, NYAV should have, you know, updated language or anything like that although i'm sure that has its own stipulations with the japanese side and everything um but i feel like if if that aspect isn't going to bother you this is i thought this is really well done and really strong i really enjoy even not having seen the japanese i really enjoyed watching this for the first time in this format i thought it was really well done just a real hoot to sit through it was good see the odd thing with the writing and the whole transphobic homophobic remarks that are kept in there specifically about Hana. Um, I feel like if they were to try and rewrite it, it would just lose its punch a bit. Like, it would lose kind of the whole point in Hana's anger being called these derogatory terms. Like, 
that's my thought on it because back then it it, it again it's it, those were derogatory towards trans people toward towards gay and lesbian people like but nowadays you it those terms and phrases are less commonplace now because those communities are much more accepted there's still some people out there who unfortunately have a phobia against the community but i feel like given the writing if it were to take any liberties with that subject matter i think it would lose the punch it would also lose hana's motivation to sucker punch people in the face and that's always the best <laughs> that's true that's that's i feel like it'd be a difficult task so i know honestly even though it does date it i think i think keeping it was a necessary evil in all honesty um are we good to move on to our first set of characters? Yes, please. Okay, so, again, we're going to base the casting list off of the original announcement from G-Kids. Um, so, these are all the characters that were previously announced. We don't have any information on additional credits as a recording of this episode. So... What we're going to do is we're going to we have two different groups of characters and then we'll talk about our three leads individually because I think our two groups of characters are going to go by relatively quickly, um, especially this first group that we have. So we have this old man. He's just referred to as an old man. Uh, he's an old homeless man that again kind of stumbles across um, after getting into a fight with Hana uh, and he is with this old man. Uh, during his last dying breath. Um, and he, again, kind of relates to the old man because he sees... It, it, it's a deeper thing where it's like Gen seeing where his life is going. He's going to end up as this old man living in this cardboard box for like years to come and things like that. Um, we have Ota, uh, which if I am correct, <laughs> because because double casting is going to be so much fun, Um if I'm correct, this is a mob boss guy who, uh, he, we originally meet him when he is stuck under a car. <laughs> and our three, our three heroes have to push the car off of him. Then he get, then they, he invites them to his daughter's wedding, uh, to where his daughter is marrying we find out later the guy that Ken owes so much money to. <laughs> There's a lot of complicated things here. Um, and then we have Yasuo, who is the husband of a woman named Sachiko. Uh, whom Sachiko is the woman that is supposed is the mother quote unquote the mother of the baby that they found, and they are trying to reunite her with the baby. Um, we do not have confirmation of who voices Sachiko at this time. So, for these three gentlemen, for our old man, we have David Manis. Uh, we, for Ota, we have good old Mr. Jameson Price. And as Yasuo, as well as many other characters in this film, we have Kirk Thornton. Here's where that double casting, double casting mention that Hardy Cetera, right. comes into play. He plays because like, he also voices he voices the dude getting married. Dude getting married. He voices a homeless person in the beginning. I noticed, and then I think Jameson Price had at least one other role in the film as well. I think. 
at I least. Can't remember them. Oh, he I think he was the doctor. Yep, you're right. I mm-hmm. think he was. I think he was the doctor at, towards the end, right when Hana was getting taken to the hospital, correct? Yeah, with I, the with the, like the gimp leg or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so for credits that these three individuals have done previously, for Kirk Thornton, you will likely have heard him in series and films such as Samurai Champloo, the Digimon Adventure Tri films, and In This Corner of the World. For Jameson Price, you have seen, you have heard him in Gunkutsuo, The County Monte Cristo, Bungo Stray Dogs, Dead Apple, and Metropolis. As for David Manis, this is his first known anime credit. So I had to get clever with some of these individuals, and I had to dig up stuff from IMDb. So, David Manis is also known for small roles on TV shows such as Frasier, Monk, and an animated series, oh, I'm gonna mispronounce this, Shaktaman Animated, Shaktaman Animated. It's like a 2012 or 13 animated series, mid-2012, mid mid-2010s. Something like that. Um, based on the comic book character. So, this should go by relatively quickly. Gentlemen, what do we think of these performances? Amon, will you start off? Uh, uh, David is, he, he's a good old man. Nice little little shade of um, a Christmas carol in this, in this movie for you. Um, he's good at what he does. The old man doesn't do a lot. He mostly shows up. Uh, has some alcohol, fakes out his death once as a joke, and then dies. Uh, and it's 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 a it's a nice performance, but he's a he's I mean he's so minor he doesn't even have a name, you know. Uh, he, he did good though. Um, Kirk, I thought was I enjoyed him as um you uh, Yasuo. I thought he really just did a good job of underlying both the kind of not quite scumminess, but kind of the sort of this character should really care about what's happening a little more than he does. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he doesn't is kind of part of the problem. And I thought Kirk did a good job of balancing that, where you can understand how he ended up in this situation, but when he shows up again at the end to tell people not to jump off buildings, it, uh, you know, it still works. There's some there's some emotion behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, my favorite here is definitely Jameson as the as Ota. Because it, it's from the first moment where you just you they they turn a corner and he's just there struggling under his car trying to not be crushed to death. Um, like, and he's just he's so. It's great. He's just like face red. I was like, yep. <laughs> just like he's just he's barely holding on. He's, he's um, barely keeping it together. And just and just listening to him like shit talk his 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 soon to be son in law uh, is just very entertaining for me because yeah. he's so. He's, he's, a, he's such a he's such a quintessential like sort of you know yakuza head who's like you know you, you did me a favor I owe you one it's good not like this shithead who my daughter's marrying look at look at him look at him how am I supposed to take this seriously <laughs> am I really uh, am I really should I really let this happen like I don't have a choice here. exactly no he, he was he was he was very fun I I thought I I quite enjoyed hearing him play this character he was very good yeah okay. You're right, that was quick. <laughs> they are so minor. Uh, Hardy, what are your thoughts on these performances? Here's a fun fact. We okay. know that David Manis is supposed to is supposed to play the old man. Yeah. As opposed to Gen's slightly younger man. Mm-hmm. But it's here's the thing, David Manis is actually younger than the voice actor for Gen by like six years. If you can believe it. 
I'm not surprised. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, that I'm going to make this really quick. They're all so minor. And other than David Manis, uh, both Kirk Thornton and Jameson Price, they pl- voice a ton of other characters in, in this film. And um, it's hard to... It's honestly hard to tell apart the performances because they're all just compared to the uh, the main three everyone else in this movie just really doesn't stand out that much um so um i think in all aspects they all did a really good job for when they were needed and uh and uh and here's another thing to bring up about ota mm-hmm. what is it with satoshi Kone that involves people getting grievously injured over their pets or getting in accidents because of their pets I can only assume Cone oh. finds it entertaining. Oh, crap. I'm trying to remember. Who's another one that had a similar circumstance like that? Well, Wait, there's Cone two in this on... movie. Wait, did Cone, did Cone work on the episode of the JoJo VA where Iggy gets ganked? I know he worked no. on, on a JoJo episode. I know that because there's that great bit where the guy runs out of the car across the street and runs back into the same car. And it's like, oh, <laughs> yep. Cone made this one, didn't he? No. No, what? Well, no, there's three. There's two incidents in this movie, and then there's, of course, the infamous one in Paranoia Agent uh, about oh, bad God. things happening to people because of their pets. Uh, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I know what you're referring to there. I was like, "What's another one?" And then you said Paranoia Agent. Right. I instantly knew. No. Wait, what's the second? Because one the reason this, that what's the second one in this movie. I know the first one was Ota and the dog <clears throat> running off by that woman. And that's how you end up in the um, car in the first place. What was the second one? We'll we'll get we'll get to it because it's oh, a very no, important no, I remember. Plot point. My bad. I remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Steph, just a, Steph had a dumb. Uh, Ignore me. Yeah, that was just a novel observation. You know, be careful with Satoshi Kone around animals because somebody's oh, gonna get you know, hurt. Want to know? An- Want to know another one? Y'all have seen Perfect what? Blue, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Remember the fish in the fish tank? Oh. (sighs) (laughs) Yup. Satoshi Satoshi Kone likes Alfred Hitchcock movies, you say? Mm, Who would have guessed? Who would have thought? Um, I don't think... There were no pets in Millennium Actress, right? Not to my knowledge, I can't... And then Paprika. I haven't seen Paprika in a hot second, so I can't remember there either, honestly. But yeah, so far, the majority of Cone's work has some form of interesting interaction with pets. Yeah. Or at least fate he's, of pets. At least he's not Mamoru Hosoda, where it has a weird fascination with furries. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> Rude. But accurate. Rude, but not wrong. And also, God, I love Snowshi Cone. Anyways, um, my quick thoughts on these three... Uh, the main issue is with Jameson and Kirk, Jameson Price and Kirk Thorne is, again, the double casting, or maybe in Kirk's Kirk's case, triple casting. Uh, because both of them are recognizable voices that you can pick up on rather easily. Um, however, whatever roles they were given, they were fantastic. And in actuality, for Jameson Price's Ota, I barely recognized him at first. In all honesty, he, he was very hard to pick up on. I'm like, wait, 
this is supposed to be Jameson, right? I don't hear it. Hold on. It took me like a solid like three or four minutes, I think, before I kindly finally caught that tone or inflection that I usually equate to Jameson Price's performances and the roles he's done in the past. And I'm like, oh, there it is. I hear it now. This this makes more sense. Um, but he was, he was just very gruff and happy. Hap, gruffy, gruff, gruff, happy, old mob boss. Getting run over by cars. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, uh, like Alma was saying about um, Kirk Thornton as Yasuo, like, he is, a, he is a bit of a scumbag. Just unaware of everything going on, and like you, you want you you want to you want to hate him, but then towards the end when he is trying to convince people not to jump off buildings, um, you kind of are, you you hear that emotion and that regret in the in the performance, and it works really well. David Manis is the old man. <laughs> he is such a sweet little old homeless man. <laughs> I loved every second of it because you just you you not only feel so bad for him but it kind of it, it does let it does have a bit where it lessens the blow too of his death because of the comedic interaction he has with Gen where <laughs> I freaking love this I'm gonna describe it brief, briefly <laughs> but one of the recurring lines in his conversation with Gen I have a favor to ask of you. <laughs> I only have, or I only have one regret. <laughs> and it's like, you want another swig, don't you? Here, have some booze. Oh, I'll take care of this for you. <laughs> and it's just the cutest, sweetest sounding old man on his deathbed. And then I feel very bad for him because Michael Sinter Nicholas and his group of freaking thugs come in and beat his dead ass body. Uh, yeah, I hate those human beings. Yay! Um... <laughs> Yes, that was Michael Center Nicholas as one of them, and he sounded very, very surfer dupro y to me. <laughs> I was Man, like, Adventure went down a bad path. He was he very dude bro y, and he was trying to be like he was in a kung fu movie. He was like, Wah! I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? I forgot this was a thing, <laughs> and it was, it was, it was hilarious and amazing, and I loved that. Well, I hated the character, and I hated his cronies, and wanted to beat them up for beating up Gen and an old dead man that was mm, man's already dead why make it worse um they're trash stuff. i know i know still makes me sad but anyway yeah david manix was so much fun as his brief little turn as his little old man i loved every second of it uh, are we ready to move on to our next set of characters yep Mm -hmm. Holy mother of God, we're only a half hour into this recording. This is going to be so freaking fast until we get to the main three. Um, so, our next two characters, uh, they have a little bit more prominence uh, in the film, but they also have, but more in the way of they are major, they have a major impact or influence on a couple of, uh, on two of our three main characters. So we have Mother, who is in who is in who runs and is in charge of this. Uh, I don't think it's legitimately called a gay bar, but close enough, I think. Um, and she is also a trans woman who runs this bar and is basically a mother figure to all of the workers, including Hana, who used to work there. 
And then we have Miyuki's father, who's just named Miyuki's father. Uh, he, he's a police officer. We know that. And uh, he's the reason why Miyuki ran away in the first place. And we'll probably discuss a bit more about that when we get to Miyuki herself. But that's as much as we're going to get into right now. So, playing Mother, we have Kate Bornstein. Uh, she is more well-known as an author, playwright, performance artist, actress, and gender theorist. Uh, who has been on the reality series I Am Kate. She had a performance piece known as Hard Candy, among others. And she's written several books, including Gender Outlaw on Men, Women, and the Rest of Us, which is her latest book from 2016, if I remember correctly. And as for Miyuki's father, I think this is the first time I actually get to talk about him on this show. Maybe. No, I've talked about him Possibly. before. My B. No, my B. Haruhi Suzumiya. My B. Um, right, right. I almost forgot about that. <laughs> and I have a credit there, too. Uh, we have Crispin Freeman. Good old Crispy Ham Freeman, uh, who has been in series and films such as Helsing Ultimate, Promare, and The Disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya. Let's go into these thoughts on these two performances. I think I'll start here. I'm going to start with Crispin, actually, because Crispin, while very minor, he does have some authority to the performance. Crispin only has, like, what, four lines? Four or five lines in the whole film. Six at most. At most. The dad comes up in, like, at least three... No, four scenes. He comes up in four scenes. And three of those four, he has some kind of a speaking part. The first time we see him, he has no speaking part because he's on the other train calling the police because he just happens to see his daughter riding on the train across, on the next train over. And he's like, my daughter's on this train. We don't hear him. Um, but given that he is a police officer and the things we know about him as a character through Miyuki, um, we know that he has, Crispin does have that authority in his voice, but he also has this gentle tone to him, this gentle pleading tone that he uses quite a bit. Um, well, not quite a bit. But mostly, but this mostly comes in with his phone call, uh, with the phone call he has with Miyuki. It's very brief, um, but you can hear that tone of regret, that kind of pleading tone, like trying to get his daughter to come home because he regrets what happened and everything going on. Um, so even though the role is minor, there are some fun, there are some fun and emotional aspects to the character and I think Crispin played that very very well I will say I really love Kate Bornstein as mother on this one um she has such a flamboyant tone about her it's not overly flamboyant but it's still there but she also has this maternal tone and maternal like personality to her um which explains a lot considering how Hana's personality is um and basically, Hana looked up to Mother as a mother figure in her life uh, for many years. So it makes a lot of sense. And I really enjoyed Kate perf Kate's performance because, <laughs> because she's just also this wonderful figure, just caring for these people, um, always concerned, and but also still is like, 
the, the she does still seem kind of tough as nails um, as well. Because, again, mid-2000s, you're dealing with a society who hasn't still quite accepted the trans community or the LGBT community in, in general. Uh, especially in Japan, because Japan, it takes, it takes a while, on all honesty, for them. Um, oddly enough, this is a weird segue. Um, so, I am obsessed with the new Queer Eye series on Netflix. To the point where I have watched all the seasons. The last season they did was one in Japan, and one of the um, one of the makeovers they did was for this this guy who is gay. But in Japan, it, it, even in this day and age, there are still some parts in Japan where that where LGBT community is still not widely accepted. Um, by some people, there are parts of the like there's little sections in the community where they have much more freedom and acceptance but in japan it's still taking a little bit of time for them to like really adjust and accept the lgbt community so in the mid 2000s i can only imagine how bad it might be so seeing kate's tough as nails persona but with the gentle mother motherly tone she has to it i think it, it works very very well given the character and also given the circumstances of when this film was originally made um Let's see. Hardy, what are your thoughts on these performances? Well, Crispin Freeman only had six lines, but it's Crispin Freeman, so, you know, he gets a pass for it. Crispin, Crispin Freeman is Crispin Freeman is Crispin Freeman. But yeah, it's because we got to see him in some recent uh, NYAV films. Um, and I, I'm, it's good to see him back in anime again. Uh, I do wish he had more than six lines, but I mean... Whatevs, that's the breaks. The character is rather minor. Um, Can I just say one thing, which is hilarious? Mm -hmm. In the year of 2019-2020, we see voice actors that we thought we never would see again coming back to voice anime. Yes, we got we got uh, Dan Green, Lara Jill Miller, and Alex Organ back all and in the Alex Organ. In about a month. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? What is life right now? What sorcery is this? What sorcery is this? What what hath mad science <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome, Hardy. Yes. Good old Dr. Dinosaur. But yeah. Ah, um, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yes. Anyway, yes. sorry, continue. Yes. This is the sound of bullets killing you. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm sorry. I need no, to dig up. Okay. I need to dig up my old uh, uh, Atomic Robo comics and read them again sometime. <laughs> mm. Look here, we do need some padding in this episode. We're not even forty-five minutes in. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. But anyways, so yeah, that's all I really have to say on Crispin Freeman. I really enjoyed Kate's performance as mother because she's just this absolute ham. Yep. And. Um, not as ham as a certain other character we're going to get to, but we'll get to that. But you could definitely see where that character got their um, their personality from. Because you can tell that she really does love uh, Hana. And even when Hana comes back to her, it was just broken and beaten down, like lowest of the low. And, and she's like, don't, you don't have to accept me. And she just takes her back without even thinking about it. Yeah. 
and uh, there's like this there's a genuine mutual uh, closeness between them and uh, and listening to these actresses go off together it's like yeah you could tell you could tell that they're probably they probably get along in real life just as well so they they have their backs for one another and uh, support each other and that really comes across in this motherly performance from Kate Bornstein so that's uh, that's all I gotta say alright Amon what do you think Kristen's good Uh, you know it's it's Kristen Freeman he's gonna turn in a good performance Um, this seems like a nice um, this seems like a nice something to that time he was in a Miyazaki movie for two minutes oh yeah he was the he was an equally minor role he was the scarecrow at the very tail end of Howl's Moving Castle I forgot about that It's been years since I watched Howl's Moving Castle, actually, so I completely forgot. It's like, it's like, it's like the one time a, a, a traditional anime voice actor shows up in one of those Disney-produced Ghibli dubs, and it always sticks out to me for that reason. <laughs> I need to rewatch um, Howl's Moving Castle just so I can rehear this. Um, but uh, he's good there, and he's good here, too. He's got a good, 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 perfectly good, you know, young father voice. I liked it. Um... But I agree, Kate. Kate is a lot of fun. This, this actually, in retrospect, I think this is kind of a get. I've definitely heard of like Gender Outlaw. I feel like that's that's a fairly well known book in like sort of gender studies circles. I, I so think this, this seems like it's kind of a in get. all honesty. I think there's plenty. I think there's additional books. I think Gender Outlaw, if I remember correctly from my research, is more of like a series of books um, with each which individual subjects. It's just the one that I credited um, is the most recent from 2016, if I remember correctly. Oh, I was looking, it looks like that's like an updated version of one she did from the 90s. Oh, so, that would also do it. Um, that might be the one. I, that might be the one I definitely because I feel like I've heard of this in like college or grad school or something. Anyways, um, she's delightful. Um, she just, she just she plays the character really well. She bounces off of Hana's actress really well. It's just a well done performance. Um, also, so as I'll I'll mention this again when we get to Hana, but I should note that having not seen this movie, for the most of the time when I was when this movie was presented to me, having never actually seen it, usually it was in the context of Hana being like a cross-dressing man, not a trans mm-hmm. woman, especially like back in like the two thousands. So I do find it nice that like. Now that now that like sort of trans issues are a lot more visible, I do find it nice that at least the two most prominent trans characters in this series have both had trans actresses yeah. playing them. I think I think that's 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 nice to see. Um, and I think Kay was a, I think Kay was a good casting choice. Honestly, I think she plays the character really really well. Um, I don't know what VO work she has outside of you know her sort of performance art kind of stuff, but she's good here. Like she she's got chops. If if I um, this, if this I this is a really strong. In all honesty, if I had found VO work, I would have credited it for her. <laughs> Again, she the only like on screen thing she did was the reality show I Am Kate. She has several performance pieces, mm-hmm. and then she's more well known for her written work than anything. In all honesty, um, yeah. But it's interesting that you brought up how your impression of Hana was a cross-dressing male, because I think I think that's I think that's more when I like saw people writing about it online. That's how it usually got presented. I right, say. and I think I might have actually been unfortunately one of those people, uh, <laughs> because and, and I think credit to the to the dub here it makes it a lot more clear that Hana is mm. transgender and not 
cross-dressing. Because, obviously, we don't... Uh, unless you have learned Japanese and you understand tonal inflections and stuff with Japanese, um, Ramonji and everything like that, it's hard to come across to have that come across so in the japanese hana kind of comes off and it kind of comes off more as a cross-dressing male than transgender so to your point i do also love that they same again and to an, and to an extent mother can be deemed the same way so to, to mm. your point i do love that the dub went with transgender actresses for this as well so um that's an interesting point you brought up, and I had to just talk about it. Because, I again, I am probably one of those people who identified Hana as a cross-dresser in their review before, and I am sorely mistaken now. Uh, I'd have to actually go back and read my review from... God, when did I do it? 2000 and... 2000 and... Oh, God. 2000 and... 12, 13, I think. Around that range. Maybe. I don't remember. But, um... But, yeah. Uh, moving on, I think. Yes. Can we move on? Yes. Um, so, yeah, those sections were relatively quick. We're gonna talk about our main three characters. Oh, boy. Our main three characters. We're gonna talk about them individually, though, because I because each one has their own story, and I think each one deserves a conversation all to their own. We're gonna start with the youngest of the trio. We're gonna start with Miyuki. She is. I can't remember if her age is specifically mentioned, but she's in her. She's a high school student, probably in her late in her like, probably like 15, 16 years old. Uh, she's a runaway. She ran away from home. Uh, cause... <laughs> reasons. <laughs> cause Satoshi Kone loves messing with pets. Um, <laughs> so, she is a runaway. She's kind of tough as nails and a bit sassy and, um, sarcastic. And she just, she takes care of herself. Um, but she also kind of softens up a bit, given, like dealing with this baby and kind of coming to terms with everything that happened to her and her family. Um, and God, we're left on such a cliffhanger ending for her story too. Right at the end of the movie. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, so dancing buildings, <laughs> dancing buildings. Yay. Oh, to joy. Oh, to joy. No, <laughs> So, the individual playing Miyuki uh, is Miss Victoria Grace, who you have heard her in films such as Weathering With You and Mirai as the title character of Mirai. Uh, she also has a voice, a, a, a voice acting credit for the upcoming game, The Last of Us Part 2. Hmm. Yep. I am going to ask, Hardy, what are your thoughts on Victoria's performance as Miyuki? Having seen both Mirai and Weathering With You. And I have to say that this is probably her best performance so far. Mm -hmm. um, because in the other two films, you could tell that she was still rather green, in my personal opinion. Um, 
but yeah, I think that she's as she's growing older and getting more roles under her belt and getting more experience, that I think that she is gradually um, becoming a better actress. And I think because so far she's really only done work for NYAV. Yep. And uh, so I don't know if that's that's sort of an inside thing or not or or what. But I mean, she is she has gotten a lot better, and I think Miyuki is her strongest role yet. Um, there's a sort of attitude that she gives her where she's, you know, she's homeless, but she's not going to let that stop her from, from doing what she, what she wants to do, what she needs to do. And, and sort of this, uh, sort of going through the motions as she struggles to forgive her father or, or rather forgive herself for what she did to her father. And, um, yeah, it's it's sort of a it's a it's a definite nod of approval on my part for for uh, Victoria as an actress. So that's simple as that. Awesome, uh, Amon. What do you what are your thoughts on Victoria's performance? I thought it was really I thought it was really good. It sounded very authentic. If that makes sense. Um, I mean, as as narrow as superlative it is, she did a very good job capturing the sort of teenage girl who would stab her father and then run away from home over a cat. <laughs> Oh yeah, did we mention? Oh yeah, we—that's we, the part we didn't mention. She over stabbed her dad over a cat. Yeah. And then ran away from home. Look, as a, as a cat owner, I understand. I do that too. Maybe. Um, you must pr- must you protect can... Cricket at all costs. Oh, that's easy. He'll protect himself. <laughs> You're not wrong. Um. Yeah, I, I, she, I thought she. I, I, I have not. I, I don't get to go into the movies that much, so I haven't seen whether with you or me, right? lately um so this is my introduction to her but i think this one i thought was a very good strong performance um I think she's, she just captures that she captures the character's personality really well she gets a lot of the sort of strong-willed um very like you know i'm not gonna take crap from you aspects of the character really well but i do like that you know there there are the moments like when she she like calls her house clearly like half hoping that no one will actually pick up and her dad picks up and she just has that little moment of just listening to him talk and then just kind of hanging up in a fit of panic. Um, I think those, she, she is able to, like, communicate what the character is like in those softer moments really well as well. Um, she's also just very funny because this is for, for, a, for a movie that's about what this is. It's a very funny movie. Um, and she just has some good bits. I like the part where she has been kidnapped by the, by the assassins. <laughs> and she's just kind of... Half communicating with this this um I guess I think Portuguese woman or something and like and neither of them can really understand each other but they're just kind of they're doing their best they're just kind of I chatting think, amongst themselves I think she was probably Puerto Rican because it sounded like yeah, they were that, speaking that Spanish right. yeah that, that yeah. might be it then I forget I forget what exactly but yeah like that whole bit was just really fun and well done um yeah no, I, I thought she gave a very good performance I'm I'm quite a, interested in hearing what she's gonna do next she's uh. She, I, I enjoyed her a lot. I think the funnier part, since you you were just talking about when she gets kidnapped, is when she's initial when she and um, baby Kyoko are initially kidnapped by this um, Puerto Rican or Portuguese man disguised as a waitress, and he's just like spouting off this Spanish to her. And she's just like smiling and nodding and like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, and she's just like, I'm gonna go with this now. It was so funny. Um, 
She's like, I don't want to be. No, the best line in the whole film. So huge. No, 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 no. I don't want to be sold. I don't want to be sold as a sex slave. When she's panicking, getting dragged into their their house. And she's like, I don't want to be a sex slave. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Poor Miyuki. <laughs> she's dealing with so much shit. And all because Hana, all because Hana wants to find the parents of this baby. <laughs> to which, by the way, stolen baby. <laughs> um, anyway. So, Victoria... I have to agree with everything that both of you have just said. Now, to be fair, I'm in the middle ground. I have seen Weathering With You, have not seen Mirai. But the other problem with Weathering With You is I don't remember which character she was offhand. Um, so I can't really speak to her that much on that one. Because I've only seen the movie once. So, I'm, I guess I'm in the experience camp of more of Amon not knowing her as well. But, um, I think for her portrayal of Miyuki, it's so much fun because my favorite, my favorite thing about these three characters, um, not just Victoria as Miyuki, is the witty banter that the three of them have together and this just undeniable chemistry where they just sass each other and just fight each other all the time. Miyuki's brand of like sassy fight energy here is her is mostly like her teenage rebellion kicking in in a sense. Or she's this rebellious girl just like what are you doing? Where a lot of it is just teenage rebellion in a sense. That's the best way I can describe it because she's just so snarky and feisty towards Gen and Hana. She's like, what are you talking about, you old man? You old fart? Like, she has almost zero respect for some of these people, but mostly only because that's how she has to survive in the state that she's in. Because... Like Amon was saying, she does have those softer moments filled with regret for doing the stabby stab to her dad, dad. Um, but, like, Miyuki's character arc is just one of... It, it is a redemption story in its own right and coming to terms with what she did and accepting it and then... Uh, finally, I would hope anyway, apologizing to her dad. Again, Miyuki's story doesn't have an ending because at the end, at the end of the movie, we're in the hospital. Gen and Hana are all bandaged up in beds. Miyuki's the only one who's fine, and the parents of the baby um, want to thank the three of them. And here's where the title comes in. They want to make them the baby's godfathers. Uh, so, little do we know, the police officer who escorts the parents to the three of them is Miyuki's dad. And the end of it is just the realization with Miyuki and her dad just looking at each other. And then it just cuts to black. It's like, no! <laughs> so we don't get a resolution from Miyuki's story. <laughs> It cuts to uh, dancing buildings. It cuts to the dancing buildings with Ode to Joy. <laughs> um, but 
I, I really do love Victoria's performance in this film. Um, she just, I think she knocked it out of the park with the snarky, sassy comments um, that she has. And also just the growth of the character herself um, transitioning into probably a more gentler, understanding person. She still has a snark and snass to her because this is freaking Miyuki. Miyuki is never going to get rid of the snark and sass. But um, nonetheless, I really, really enjoyed um, I really enjoyed the performance as well. Okay, are we ready to move on to the next of our main trio? Yes, please. Yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here's my favorite character. <laughs> I love this human being to pieces. Uh, let's talk about Hana. Hana is this homeless woman. She lives with Gen and Miyuki. Um, we've, we've, of course, find out, as we've alluded to several times in the episode already, we, of course, find out early on that she is a trans woman, um, used to work at, uh, the, this gay bar drag show establishment thing, place, uh, we don't have confirmation on the specifics of it, but, you know. It's a gentleman's club. It's a gentleman's club. Uh, but, she... <laughs> Hana's the main reason why we have Tokyo Godfathers. <laughs> because if Hana didn't want to be a mother so badly, <laughs> the baby would have been turned into the police and we never would have had the hijinks that we had. <laughs> so Hana's the reason why. Hana is the reason why this story exists. <laughs> and I will hear no arguments. <laughs> And we are all better off for it, <laughs> in my opinion, because I freaking love Hana. So voicing Hana is the ever-wonderful Shakina Nafak, uh, who, as we previously talked about when we were talking about Kate Bornstein, uh, is also a trans actress. She primarily is known, though, for television. So you might have seen her on series such as Transparent, uh, Amazon's Transparent, Netflix's Jessica Jones, as well as Hulu's Difficult People, uh, where she's a major character, as well as serving as a writing consultant for this, the series. So, uh, let's start with let's start with Amon this time. What do you think of the performance for Hana here? This is amazing, <laughs> isn't just, just it? The, the the absolute highlight of the movie. Bar. Like, look, I think this is a very strong dub. Takina's the best part of it, unquestionably. She is oh, having, yes. she is having so much fun playing this character, and just playing it so well. She plays the, you know, Hana on the surface is a very, is very like loud, vivacious character. She has a lot of, she has a lot of life. She has a lot of excitement. She is very loud and brash. Takina nails that masterful. She's a diva. Shakina yeah. is she, a diva. She, she, she's, a, a she's, a, she's an educated diva. One of my favorite bits is at some point um, near the beginning, Hana throws a book at Jin and I'm no, sorry, Miyuki throws a book at Jin and Hana's like, "That's a Dostoevsky. Be careful." Ah, uh, yes, you would pick up on that one. And it's like you've told me so much about this character with the fact that she recognized she like it's Dostoevsky. You treat that book nice. That's good literature. <laughs> um, and she is she is 
hilarious. She is she has some of the just the best lines and performances in the movie. Um, and again, like this is a this is a very heartwarming movie. It's very heartfelt, and I think Shakina does such a wonderful job of portraying like what like Hana's angst and pain is, and why she ended up like feeling that you know she had this community she was a part of and and selling us on why Hana felt that she needed to leave that like her her like she needed to separate herself from that for as much their sake as for hers. Mm -hmm. Um. It's just, it's just, it's just, such, it's such a strong performance. It's so, just well done on all parts. Uh, and also, she gets the best scene in the movie where it looks like she's gonna fall off the building. <laughs> she grabs onto the flag and just. Because Kyoko. One handed while carrying baby. the baby. Kyoko is Miracle Baby. Yep. Like, legit. Again, this takes place around Christmas time. Mm hmm. Kyoko not, is deemed a miracle baby. It's not Christmas so, without a little miracle. She so, literally talks. She literally talks. It's like seeing Pikachu oh talk in the... Oh my god! It's like seeing Pikachu talk to Ash. <laughs> oh <laughs> god! You know what would be even better? If baby Kyoko was Kate Bristol. <laughs> in that scenario because <laughs> we don't have confirmation of who plays little Kyoko for that two second bit but that would have been funny and, and amazing <laughs> that would have just been like ah, oh, be like Mwah, chef's kiss cherry yes. on top <laughs> it's all come um, full circle ah yes <laughs> we've come full circle boys and girls um uh, any more thoughts, Amon, on Shakina's performance, or no? I mean, nothing, nothing like that. I can just articulate easily. It's just—it's so good. It's <laughs> great. This is well, fantastic. Well, I'm gonna piggyback off of this. Uh, yeah, this is my favorite performance of the film, <laughs> bar none. <laughs> like, again, like <laughs> a, a good amount of it goes back to my thoughts on the banter and the back and forth between Shakina, Victoria, and our actor for Gen, who we'll talk to talk about in a few minutes. And <laughs> and because they get into fights, they get into arguments, they get into back and forth. Shakina's is very interesting. Because Hana, like Amon was saying, is very is an educated woman. She deals with these circumstances and everything like that. She also has this need. Uh, she also has this mater. She has this maternal instinct that she just needs and wants to express so badly. But of course, because of gender situations and how she was originally born as, she can't have her own kid. So the second <laughs> little Kyoko comes into the picture. She just wants to hold her and call her her child and just be like, I am your mother now. You are mine forever. And it is the cutest and most precious thing in the whole world. Because it's like, we're going to take her home. She's our daughter now. And Miyuki and Gen are just like, what? <laughs> what are you, are you, are you crazy? Like, we're not raising a, ch a baby in a cardboard box. She's like, not with, no, this is Hana in a nutshell. Not with that attitude, you can't. 
<laughs> because Han is just like, I can do anything, bitch. Just watch me. And I just, I love the confidence. I love the, the snarky, sarcastic tone. I, but I also, what I really love the most and appreciate with Shikina's performance is those quiet and vulnerable moments. Because out of the three of them, she has the most adversity dealt against her, I feel, because of her circumstances with her gender and her sexuality and everything like that. So hers is probably a very complex story. And for a mid-2000s film, that's really a huge deal, in all honesty. Um, and again, in Japanese culture and Japanese society, which again, a huge deal, especially probably in the mid 2000s. So there's a lot of, uh, there, there's so many odds stacked against her. And can I also, can we also not forget now that I'm thinking about it? She is sick. Mm -hmm. She has something. It is never expressed what exactly it is. Well, she has coughing up blood disease, obviously. Well, that's, I th I think they hint, I think they hint at it. Um, they I think they hint or allude to it because of a conversation that um, Hannah has with Mother, if that's what you're referring to. Right. I've heard the fact that she coughs up blood at multiple points in the movie. Well, I mean, so here's the thing: it's possible that Hannah may have AIDS. Um, mm -hmm. It is there is a conversation that Hannah has with Mother. Because um, Hana used to have a lover, her, his name was Ken, and he passed away, and so she kind of, in a sense, gave up on life and just became homeless and destitute. Um, when talking to Mother about Ken, Mother asks, how did he die? Was it AIDS? Like, he, she, she straight up asked the question of Hana. Um, in a comedic turn, she says, no, he slipped on a bar of soap. <laughs> but um, the... the, the Illu the illusion and not the illusion the um the hint is kind of there that it's very possible that Hana has AIDS um not it's not confirmed but the possibility is there um so Hana does have a lot of things and odds stacked against her in all honesty so seeing all of that and just all of this positivity that Shakina still exudes in the performance is just downright fantastic to me. <laughs> it's like, you can't tell me that Hana is not the best character in the film. I will fight you. <laughs> I will fight you to the nail. Hana is the best character in this film. I will hear no arguments. And Shakina is a fantastic actress and she portrayed the character so, so well. Um, every step of the way. Uh, Hardy, I know mm -hmm. I was rambling. <laughs> I've been rambling on for probably 10 minutes, but what are your thoughts on Shakina's performance as Hana? I think it's hard to decide who exactly is the heart and the so or the soul of right. these three, actually four individuals. If you want to count the baby, yeah. Yeah. Um... Because the the baby technically should be the heart because she's the one that brings them all together. Right. But Hana is definitely, most definitely the soul. Yes, I can agree. I can actually agree with that entirely. Yeah, now that you say it. Yeah, because she is the one who has the most heart and the most, you know, positivity, even in the 
the worst possible situations and has gone through unspeakable hardships. And I think Shakina just really, really taps into all of this and just makes it an incredible performance. It's it's easily my, my favorite performance in the dub as well. So I just... And it's it's hard to say that this is her... It's hard to believe that this is her first voice role, if anything. I know yeah. that she's done some live action, uh, live action TV and stuff like that. But... Um, but yeah, I don't, I, NYAV is so good at representation. Like mm-hmm. with, uh, what's her name? Um, with a silent voice with uh, Lexi Cowden. Lexi Cowden, or in yep. um, in Cannon Busters with all the various black actors from from TV shows like Mad TV and the Bernie Mac Show. Um, they're pulling it's in people. Fun, it's, funny you, it's funny you say that. Um, when I was doing some digging yesterday, before, uh, prepping for the episode, there is a fantastic tweet thread that Stephanie Shea has mm-hmm. about the reasons why they and why Envy Post went in the direction of having trans actresses like Shakina and Kate in this film, and also how how she felt that having that representation not just with that but in other films like a silent voice are important um and it it was from valentine's day and i personally if i say go find that tweet and like favorite it it's really good because apparently people were questioning like hey why why do this are you just filling a quota for like pc culture and all this shit and like no like these individuals have their own stories to tell too so mm-hmm. having that representation is just as important. Yeah, it really does make a difference. It Caitlin does. Caitlin Glass is really good about it as well, bringing in like non like uh, 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 non transgendered actors actors like uh, like Karen Strange for Australis in Space, and also people of color for shows like uh, Radiant. And um, uh, yeah, it really does make a difference uh, in the in the in the final product. So. I just absolutely love this performance. I think it was great, and it's without it, it just wouldn't have been nearly as fun of a movie. No, it would not have been as fun of a, a movie if we didn't have Shakina as Hana. God damn it, this is great. <laughs> Shakina, hello, I love you. You're you're my favorite now. Um, I guess we're good to move on to our final final. Member of this cast, huh? And then there's this butthole. <laughs> For lack of better words, yes. <laughs> this crotchety old butthole that we lovingly call Gen. <laughs> we lovingly refer to as Gen. So, ah, uh, where do we even start with Gen? Gen is a compulsive liar <laughs> and a gambler. <laughs> An alcoholic. An alcoholic. Um, so we kind of hinted at parts of his story throughout the episode. So at first we're led to believe this sob story that he tells Hana at the beginning about being this well-known cyclist and uh, he had to throw a race because his daughter, his, his 
infant baby daughter was sick with some disease and then things didn't work out and he got caught and thrown out of the league and the daughter died and the mother soon followed again we just as we described him he's a compulsive liar um turns out he had a lot of gambling debts uh, and owed a lot of money so he ran away <laughs> leaving his wife and daughter behind to deal with the aftermath and he became homeless uh, yeah, this, and this was, I guess, years and years ago, because it seems like his daughter was a was a child when this happened. It sounds like, mm -hmm. because Gen is actually reunited with his daughter in this film. The daughter's also named Kyoko, by the way. Uh, irony. There's a lot of Kyokis in the Kyokos in this movie. Kyokis. At least three. Kiyokis. Kiyokis. I like that name now. Kiyoki. Yep, there's the baby, there's Gen's daughter, and there's the mafia boss's daughter getting married. <laughs> so many Kiyokos. Um, but for Gen's story, it's more it's also like him looking at him him looking at himself through a mirror and realizing the kind of person he is. And his regrets and kind of his redemption in a way. Um, with coming to terms with his actions and his past as well. Uh, playing, again, we had John Avner. Alright. Uh, a name you don't get to come up very, very often. So in terms of other work that John has done, you have heard him in Berserk the Golden Age Arc 3, Phoenix, and in the video game Just Cause 3. I'm gonna start with Gen. He is a crotchety sounding old man, and it is so much fun. <laughs> like, Gen, in a nutshell, is an angry human being. Gen is angry at the world. And I think John brings that across rather well. <laughs> and it's just like. I, he's, he's this crotchety old man you can't help but fall in love with but you also have again those moments where he has to look at himself through this this lens of what he's done and what he put other people through um, not just his own family but he also put Hana and Miyuki his, essentially his new family through um being this compulsive liar and dealing with a bunch of shit. And him and Hana get into fights all the time. It's an interesting dynamic that the three of them have. And part of it, I th that dynamic, is best summed up in the dream that Miyuki has, right? Where she, she has this flashback dream of when she stabbed her dad over the cat. And... Mm everything kind of starts shifting as we first see we, we see Miyuki her dad and her mom everything starts to shift where we see Hana as the mom holding baby Kyoko um then we have Gen taking the place of Miyuki's dad so it, 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 this kind of dream sequence also implies the relationship that these three have with each other as like their own little family of sorts. So Gen is, Gen is the crotchety old man dad who's an alcoholic and a compulsive liar 
and a gambler. A gambler who I think won the Mega Bucks or something. But we. It was a strange thing. No, he. Uh, the old man had the mega bucks and he gave it to That's him. That's what it was. And so, yeah, it's, I um, so they're, I, like, they're, I they're, couldn't remember how he got it. They're not going to be homeless very much longer. I don't think. I don't think so. Not unless Gen freaking bets it all away. Cause it's Gen. But I would like the, I would, I would like to hope that Gen learned something in his life as a homeless bum. Uh, but I think John, it, John makes it a crotchety old sounding man, but I still fell in love with it with all of the snark and the sarcasm that he has. And his drunk rants are so much fun too. Like, God, I think my favorite one was when they were in the cemetery trying to find like diapers and milk or something for Kyoko because they accidentally lost everything when they abandoned the train because Miyuki saw her dad and panicked. Um, and Gen just takes alcohol from a gravestone, starts drinking it, and goes on a drunk tangent about, like, we're bums. We're robbing stuff in a cemetery. You really think we can do this? Like. I mean, somebody's got to use them. I mean, the dead can't use them, so. I know, right? Mm -hmm. I think Gen has a sense of realism to him where he he's, he's trapped in reality. And when I say trapped, it's like he's trapped in this his cir his circumstances with rea his rea realistic circumstances with what he's done with his gambling debts, and he sees he sees he sees two different versions of himself. He sees what could be in the old man that that passes away, and he sees his past self in Yasuo towards the end, because Yasuo is also a gambler. And he's ignoring the needs of his wife in the process, which mirrors Gen's past as well. So Gen's story is very interesting because of these two different parallels that he sees his past and his future. Um, and he just has the most realism um, grounded um, mindset out of the trio, I think. Um, I have been talking about this man long enough. It's a great performance. I'm sorry. Um, there's just, with these main three, there's just plenty to talk about. It's very interesting for all three of them. Um, Hardy, what are your thoughts on John's performance as Gen? Well, I was kind of hard on it at first because Gen is supposed to be middle-aged and yet he sounds like significantly older, almost to the point to where it's like, He's trying to do an old man voice and like make it sound really old. Then I found out that John Abner is actually 67 years old. Yeah. So he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's not faking anything. He actually is, um, kind of up there. So and it's interesting seeing has how John Abner has done so uh, little anime work up till now, really only for old media blaster stubs. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting to see him suddenly come back uh, or be brought back for this role uh, kind of out of nowhere um, if you can say one thing you could say this cast outside of the actors who get double and triple cast is really eclectic and it's these are actors who are not known for doing a whole lot of anime yeah. so and so I think it's sort of it sort of works with the the movie's aesthetic about sort of this 
ragtag family um, of, of practically strange and eclectic individuals brought together and, and made to make do with each other. I think the eclectic cast sort of reflects the eclectic nature of the main characters of the film. Yeah, and, for sure. And, I, that's, and again, that's something that NYAV is actually very, very good at. It's pulling in actors that you would never expect and bring them in and, um, and, and, and get them incorporated to the project. So I, if I had one thing, I'd say he does sound a bit old, but then the actor is up in, up in years, so it, it does make sense. Mm-hmm. But that's really my, my only gripe about it. All right. Amon, what are your thoughts on the performance? Um, <clears throat> I'm curious, have either of you heard him in something other than this? Is this, is this your first um, time hearing him in something as well? As far as I know, this is my first time. Mm-hmm. All right, because I have a question. Does he sound like that all the time? <laughs> because I, I don't know. Kinds of people, there are two kinds of people I know who usually sound like that. Okay. Depre- Depression era Delta Bluesman. <laughs> okay. And Howling Wolf. <laughs> You, you mean really, there's a difference? Well, yes. Howling Wolf started recording in the 50s, although he is a direct disciple of, I think, Charlie Patton, who, is, who was one of those um, Depression-era bluesmen, so, you know, mm-hmm. six to one, half a dozen of the other. Right. Um, but yeah, usually I don't I don't hear people who can have, who just have that much gravel in their voice all the time. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting um, change of pace. Yeah, that was kind of the first thing that jumped out on me is just how haggard he sounds, um, which I thought really fit the character. Just because, like, yeah, you sound like you've been living on the street for a few decades. That that checks out. <laughs> um, but I also really, I, I really enjoy his performance for the same reasons, the same reason you guys were talking about. Um, he just he, he's good at telling these, you know, these sob stories, which he makes sound very authentic, even if they're grossly exaggerated. Um, Grossly, again, grossly exaggerated is an understatement. It's true, um, but you know he, he then gets at the nice scene where he sees his daughter and finds out what she's been up to and and how that worked out and that was just very like sweet and touching. Um, yeah, like I I, I I feel like I've said a lot about how, how good I think this dub is on all accounts and I think this is this is very highly up there. He's he just I think he really captures the character really well. He sounds. For me, at least, he sounded very on point. It's like, yeah, this is this is the kind of voice I would expect coming out of this guy. Um, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm sad he hasn't done more work, actually. I'd really like to hear him in more stuff. He was really good. Yeah, he's done he's done a few different uh, voice acting roles and things like that. A couple of video games, and I think a few things of live action, if I'm correct. Um, I only just picked the video game role as the third one for shits and giggles honestly because i think some of the tv work that he did i couldn't recognize in all honesty um because some of that tv work was legit from like the 70s 80s i'm not lying (laughs) Hmm. um but anyway on that note i think if we're good we're ready to move the final thoughts what do y'all think sure Mm -hmm. okay I'm gonna start with I'm gonna start with the first time watcher on this one Amon what are your final thoughts on the dub of Tokyo Godfathers I really enjoyed this this was a lot of fun to watch um 
I, I, I haven't seen the Japanese, so I can't compare it directly. But like, as far as just like a first time watch goes, like this is this is really strong. Um, this one gets a thumbs up for me. Like, if you have a chance to go see this in a theater, uh, what next Wednesday, I guess, from when we're recording this, uh, go do it. It's worth your time. This is good stuff. Hardy. Mm -hmm. Like I said, uh, even though I'm not so much into the whole Christmas thing, this belongs right up there between the greatest Christmas movies of all time. I'm, yes, I speak of Die Hard and Batman Returns. Uh, of course you would. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but no, even, even if you don't celebrate the holidays like I do, uh, and I don't, um, it's still just a heartwarming a heartwarming tale of, of three lovable losers taking care of this baby and just having everything connect. And that's one thing about this movie. Everything is connected. Like, if you notice the chase scene at the end where all the babies start crying and they follow all the babies and all the arrows are pointing to where they should go. Yep. It's, it you, makes, you, makes you think, is it fate? Or just extreme coincidence or is it a miracle or is it a miracle it could be it could be anything, <laughs> it could be anything. but yeah this is quite possibly i'm not gonna say it's family friendly uh, i think it still oh, is no, rated it's r not. <laughs> i think it's still technically a rated r film but i mean mm. um it's satoshi Kone at his least disturbing and his most heartfelt and god i miss him it, Mm. <laughs> it could be sad. Um, it's almost been ten years, if you can I believe know. it. No, it'll be ten years yeah. in August. Right, <sighs> and imagine what he could have done if he was able to make more movies like this. Because uh, mm. as much as I love his his psychological horror films and his his weird his weirdities. He's able to make such a heartfelt film. That's still a little yeah. weird. Still a little weird. But it's just the most human film he's ever the, done. The same thing can be said with Millennium Actors, too, honestly. Right, right. Like, Millennium... Satoshi Kon is an interesting individual. Like, if you were to talk to anyone about Satoshi Kon and ask them what they've seen of his... You will instantly get, like, Perfect Blue, Paprika, Paranoid Agent. I guarantee you. Because those are not only his... Those are his most well-known works, but also because of those strong psychological themes that he incorporates in them. But... And I have to agree with Hardy that, personally, my favorite works of his... In terms of his films, anyway, because Paranoid Agent is one of my favorite anime series of all time. Bar none. That's just me. Um... My favorite films that he's done are these heartfelt ones, like Millennium Actress and Tokyo Godfathers in this case. With Tokyo Godfathers, again, it has those small twinges of Cone style. Um, very, very minor psychological elements. Uh, the twisting, uh, the questioning of what is reality versus what is fantasy. Um, that's a that's a theme that you easily can see in Tokyo Godfathers, especially with everything related to K baby Kyoko. God damn it. <laughs> um, but it he also has this satirical commentary of 
Japanese society um, that I think resonates the strongest in this movie. Um, and it's handled very, very well uh, in the dub as well, keeping the satirical comedic elements, the commentary of society in the mid-2000s for Japan. Um, but also, at the end of the day, this is a heartwarming Christmas movie. Um, I am tempted to take this when it comes when it comes out on DVD and Blu-ray. I know I'm going to buy it, but I'm tempted to bring it home with me for Christmas to see if my family will watch it with me. Just so I can tell them, hey, this is a Christmas movie, guys, and see what happens. Because I've tried getting my family to watch anime before, and didn't have the greatest results. And mind you, I was showing my dad Trigun of all things. Hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so result, your, your mileage will vary. Uh, but with this dub, you, again, keep in mind this is a, a 2020 dub. A 20, well, I, you could probably say this was done during the end, tail end of 2019. 2019-2020 dub made for a mid-2000s film. So, again, like we were alluding to earlier, there are some <laughs> elements and slang and derogatory names towards LGBTQ characters that may not sit well with people nowadays, but given the nature of this film being mid-2000s, honestly, it would lose its punch if it was changed otherwise. So they stay faithful with the original, which I am grateful for. Um, but it also has such fantastic performances in it, and it just still has that heartwarming feel to it, and you just can't help but when you watch it, just have a huge smile on your face. <laughs> well, the whole time, because it's such a fantastic film. So, you if, you, if you ever get the chance to see the film, buy the film, whatever, really, you should. Honestly, any all of Cone's work deserves to be seen at some point in time, if not owned, in all, in all honesty. Because Cone can be hit or miss, and some people might not like his brand of... His brand of, um, film. Uh, he's, a bit, he's a bit on the quirky side. He is on the quirky side. And that's saying it lightly. <laughs> um, yeah. But if you're looking for a very heartwarming, heartwarming comedy film um, that just is is grounded in a lot of realism, it, you you really should watch this movie. It's 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 a lot of fun. Um, and at the time of recording this film, you can so G Kids has a has a brief theatrical run of the film going on. Um, on March 9th, Monday, which in theory is my plan to record, is my, in theory, my hope and plan for this episode to release, March 9th, um, they have the Japanese screening going on in select theaters, while Wednesday, March 11th is going to be the dub screening, uh, to which I'm very excited to see this. So, Andrew, Jet, and I are going to go see this together <laughs> in theaters. Yeah. It's going to be and, so uh, much fun. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get the Memphis crew to go see it, too, so. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I, and I think I think Megan said that she and Roots were going to go see it together. 
while Roots was visiting her. I think. I don't 100% know. Um, but yeah, th those are your two opportunities to see it in theaters. Uh, if you haven't bought tickets already, uh, I believe they are available through Fandango or Adam Tickets. One of the two. Um, so you Or Malco if you're in Memphis. You Sorry. speak gibberish to me. Because <laughs> I know nothing of Memphis. Um, but anyway... Uh, more than likely, though, in the near future, there will likely be a home video release uh, for the film proper. So you'll have an opportunity to watch it at some point in time. But please, if you, if possible, please support the theatrical release because that would be downright amazing. Um, again, special, special thank you to G Kids for providing a screener copy to uh, uh, providing a screener copy for us to view the. The dub early so we can make this episode and get it up for you guys so we can tell you go watch the movie because <laughs> this is how our lives work here at dub talk um and speaking of more thank yous um thank you guys for sticking around with us for almost two hours hooray um if you want to catch anything else that we at dub talk here do uh, the easiest way to do that is to follow us here on YouTube, where we post episodes at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, um, depending on what's going on. Uh, we also have a Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, Tumblr is dead, <laughs> um, all at Dub Talk Podcast. And if you want to support us in an even, in even greater capacity, um, we have two different um, accounts where if you wanted to donate uh, money to us, um, that'd be fantastic. We have our Ko-fi account for one-time donations, and then we also have our Patreon, uh, where you can be one of our wonderful patrons and get fun little rewards, including like early sneak peeks at episodes, clips, things like that. Uh, and as a special thank you to our patrons, we have to make sure we thank our $5 patrons, Crimson Echidna, Michelle Travis, Miraculous Corazon, and Nico Robin, but with yaoi hands. Apparently, I'm still the only one who can say that with a straight face, Jackson. <laughs> Fucking love you, Jackson. God damn it. Um... And then, of course, we have our $10 tier with Carly Lestikow, Jacob Wilson, J2, a.k.a. Jared, Marissa Lenti, and the folks at Weebe. Um, you are all fantastic human beings. Um, as for anything that us three idiots usually do on a daily basis, um, plug yourselves. Hardy, you go first. Hi, I'm Spaceman Hardy. I'm a uh, Funimation uh, a moderator over on the Funimation Discord and the forums. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at Spaceman Hardy. And you and I, I haven't been posting enough goat pictures lately. Maybe I should, but you know what? The most important thing is, you know what it is, right? Oh God! Uh, Here we go. I, I know where this is go. I know. Well, walrus I know. farts. What? <laughs> <laughs> Big old fat walrus farts. What happened to donkey pants? Uh, they were in the laundry today. Oh man! I thought I actually yeah. thought you were about to go on a happy rant about Final Fantasy remake for a second there. <laughs> Stephanie, Stephanie, what? Why is it in April yet? There it is. All right, all right, buddy. All right. Here, here, here's a box of tissues. Just, just go over there. Just go over there. You're fine. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, I'm gonna save Amon for last because reasons. Um, <laughs> if you want to follow me, my name is Stephanie. I am on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review with review being spelled R-E-V-U-E. I also have a blog that is in drastic need of being updated <laughs> and i need to actually try and write things sometimes but if you're interested in what i've written on um, in the few things i've written so far um you can go check it out at lifeandtimesotaku.wordpress.com now i'm on mm -hmm. plug yourself uh, and we also need something else to yeah sure um I'm Amon. You can find me on Twitter at AmonDuelUS. Duel has two U's in it. I talk about movies and comic books and things like that. And I also talk about music. And I have a, I have a dusty old song for it. Ah, yes. What do we have today? Well, that's easy. This is a movie. This is an anime. We've got Christmas, a, a true rarity. Um, if you're talking about songs about Christmas, there's really only one song you can talk about. Okay. The greatest one of them all. Okay. That's right, I'm talking about Christmas, parentheses, baby, please come home by Darlene Love from the greatest Christmas album of all time, A Christmas Gift to You from Phil Spector. <laughs> uh, you might have thought I was going to say Mariah Carey, fuck you, you're trash. I'm about to all say, right. if you said Mariah Carey, I was going to say, fuck you, you're trash. Alright, that's not true, Mariah Carey's fine, but no, Darlene Love is the better song, there's no question there. Uh, I have a dusty old song in that case. Uh-oh. Shoot. In my opinion, the greatest... Christmas song ever made. Wait, 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 hold on. I'm, I'm gonna try, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna keep it to myself and I'm gonna try and guess. Go on. It's by none other than the, one of the greatest comedians of all time, Mr. Eric Idle. Fuck okay. Christmas. <laughs> Not what I thought you were gonna say. Not what I thought you were gonna say. You were gonna say, you were gonna think I was gonna say Christmas with the Devil, which is also a great song. By Spinal no, Tap. I thought you were gonna do one of, I thought you were gonna do one of Weird Al's. Oh, oh! The night Santa, get, the night Santa went crazy. That's a good one too. Or, or Christmas at Ground Zero, either one. Mm -hmm. Oh my God! <laughs> oh shit! Um, so I, we get the Doctor Demento Christmas compilation. Anyways, I mean we could go. Oh, there's what, there's what also about... Santa Claus is watching you by Ray Stevens. Well, why can't we go with classics like Grandma got run over by a reindeer? Come on, guys. I know, I'm trash, all right? <laughs> as long as it's not, it's, hey, but baby, it's cold outside. Look here. <laughs> right, I think, I Say, think what's in I this think, drink? <laughs> I think, I think we've, I think we've exhausted Christmas yeah. suggestions for this episode. Boys, it's Christmas in March. What do you expect? Um, anyways, that, I, that's probably it for us at this point. It's time to call it quits. Christmas is over. The New Year's upon us again, and know that this know that does not mean we're doing dubbies all over again. You shut your mouth. Not for another, well, ten months. Something like that. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, thank you guys so much for joining us on this very special episode of Dub Talk. Um, we hope you had a grand old time. And until next time, Otaku my friends. Rock on Boston, rock on Chicago. Yeah. Wesley Willis Fiasco really whoops the llama's ass. <laughs> what? Thank you. Thank you for being the one person who will ever understand that reference, Harvey. The God vultures. The vultures. The vultures. <laughs> oh, man. Ate my dead ass up. <laughs> I'm still stuck on the walrus farts, though. Well,